Once again, it's the uh, Black Sun um, podcast coming to you, you know, improv as always. Uh, just really wanted to uh, honor what I had posted uh, on social media about doing a episode on the elections, which is going to be tomorrow. So I find it really uh, peculiar that the uh, African-American community is backing uh, Joe, uh, Pres- uh, Vice President Joe Biden and um, and Harris only because, you know, there are there's there's actually two black women that are running for office. And, you know, I think it's just interesting that the black community has not backed them, you know, and supported them because, you know, they are independent, that she is an independent candidate. And, you know, her name is Jade Simmons, you know, and I just think that that's really interesting. She's from South, she's from Charleston, South Carolina. She's a vocalist, a trained vocalist, singer. She's a talented musician, talented person, and she's very articulated. She's articulated uh, a lot of her viewpoints, you know, on her website. You know, she has a 2020 platform plan, you know, that covers a lot of the issues that are plaguing the United States right now. Um, her running mate, you know, Claudelia Rose, you know, I definitely think she's also a viable person because she's worked with a lot of the defense uh, committees and she's done a lot of work working, working with uh, IT and tech. You know, that's the future. You know, uh, her both of her parents were military. You know, I think that that's just something that we have to think about that. You, you, you want a candidate that can speak to, you know, your, your everyday people and everyday masses and, and and really just reach them and talk to them on a level that they can understand. And, you know, those two candidates are definitely viable. I just think it's interesting that we are backing a, a bipartisanship, bipartisan vote, you know, in the sense that we know that if the Democrats don't have the majority in the Senate, you know, it doesn't really matter who's the president. So why not back a, a, a African-American woman and her running mate, which are two black women? I think that that's very progressive. You know, I just think that they are not getting the buzz that I think that they should. You know, I noticed that they did uh, interviews with Charlemagne and other, uh, you know, smaller, you know, with moguls and stuff like that, too. But I, I mean, even when you go on their Facebook lives doing their they're not allowed to go on the debates clearly because of the way that the democratic process is set up. You know, if you're a a candidate that's not backed by the GOP or the uh, Democratic National Congress, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like you can't even really get on the ballot, you know, and she speaks on that. You know, um, my wife, you know, Diane, she's here with me. You know, she wants she's going to, uh, you know, kind of run through some of her stuff on the website you know, with the 2020 plan. And and I think it's definitely point, you know, when, when you think about that, you know, uh, you know, one, one of the things that I think is really interesting is, is you know, she talks about uh, honoring God, you know, and you definitely can hear her Christian values, which I also think that that speaks to a lot of the African-American community as far as their their viewpoints on God and keeping God first in their life and striving for, you know, how that can elevate them and, and, and give them the necessary tools to prosper in life, you know, quote unquote. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, yeah, I got my own thoughts about that. But okay, and the uh, well, second go ahead, platform. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So um, about honoring God and about the Black community, but also about um, America in itself and what we were supposed, you know, our ideals as far as religion go and Christianity go, um, and just how we were taught. Christianity beliefs, you know, I just... But again, do you not think that that's a platform that would speak to the masses of America seeing that the, the bulk of the Christian... Uh, but the it's bulk one of America thing because I feel like... I mean, the fact that that platform has to be there, it's, it's speaking to the majority of who she's going to get a votes from if she was going to be elected. If, the, if, if their viewpoints were the same wove the same text but anyway okay a more human and powerful productive economy is her second platform and for her third platform we have of course you know that's something that's very vital you know talking about having a productive economy i mean if you think about when it comes to the economy and what that means to us as a country you know because we live in a capitalist nation living in a, a world that is driven by the free market, you know, it's, that's something that's needed. You know, I, I really would want to know more about her policies on how she plans on implementing that when it comes to trade and, uh, and stocks, you know, how does all that play into, you know, into her platform to get the budget and the economy back on track where we are clearly seeing a, uh, a flux in the economic spectrum, you know, as far as because of uh, unrest in other parts of the world and region. You know, you look at the, you know, she talks about uh, reproductive possibilities. You know, she's definitely mentioning things about being pro-life, you know, but also understanding that uh, we need the necessary uh, facilities that can uh, properly assist people you know so in the event that they uh you know to minimize you know abortions and she's not saying that there she's not against or for what she's saying is you know we have to have better uh, a better infrastructure and programs in place so that you know things don't happen you know unfortunate unfortunate events happen you know if people are not being properly uh educated you know in their in their options and what they can do um, you know, she talks about break few, uh, breakthroughs for uh, black Americans. You know, again, she's speaking to the, you know, speaking to things when it comes to how, you know, African-Americans have always been plagued and riddled with, you know, um, a, a lot of, I mean, racisms, discriminations. I mean, Diane, what do you think? I mean, do you think that that's something that needs to be in a platform or do you think that's something that is... It's just understood that minorities have been already dealt a bad hand, and you would think it was understood, but I don't. I don't think um, it is, and I, I I do agree that it has to be in a platform, and I do commend her for putting it in her platform, especially as a black woman um, trying to take care of the black community. But at the same time. I do not think that the majority of the people actually care about that particular 
subject. I mean, I definitely understand that. I mean, that's the reason why I guess the whole why Black Lives Matter is being countered by All Lives Matter. Uh, and yeah, exactly. Blue Lives Matter. I mean, this is one of those kind of normalizations of our uh, demise mm-hmm. or the attempts to, uh, you know, have us in that sense of uh, undermining us and, and our abilities. You know, you look at, you know, of course, a normal, she talks about a normal, new normal for healthcare in the post-COVID era. I mean, I feel like that there's a lot of what ifs and what's going to happen in this era. And I think that we really have to look at, you know, how, how, you know, when it comes to testing and I, I just don't, it, it's really interesting, you know, like I said, listening and reading what she's talking about in her 2020, pro, in her 2020 platform, you know, I, I don't really see any, I see she's talking about, you know, the Affordable Care Act and looking at a lot of uh, re reevaluating and reassessing a lot of things. Um, I, I think it's really going to take a lot more effort, you know, to have to do an overhaul reassessment at this point. You know, I, I definitely think, you know, I, I really, if she is elected, I definitely think it would be hard for her to to really, you know, get that situated. You know, again, I, I think that if she had the backing of the, the predominant, of pretty much the majority of the black community, I definitely think that these 2020 platforms could have been implemented and should have been able to be implemented with ease to the point where everybody would have been able to have some uh, cross-cultural uh, collaborations and coalitions already developed, you know, that could have strengthened some of the things, such as her women's empowerment and proactive protections. You know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, women are being sexually assaulted at, at an alarming rates now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, take the case in uh, with the murder in the military of Fort Hood. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff could have been prevented had there been measures and protections already in place again we live in a patriarchal society so it's going to really be hard to say that you could get all of this accomplished within the first four years or three years she would definitely have to have a second term in order to have this stuff implemented i i just again i do believe that if she had the masses because if you think about it we the people in general elected a man who said on camera that he touched women without their permission on their private parts. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. So number seven on her platforms uh, is uh, a new era in education. And our new era ended up ahead of contains learning for all where access great education is not hampered by the neighborhood you live in. And, uh, and basically, I know she's talking, that's basically, you know, referencing to zoning laws and how certain districts are zoned a certain way so that affluent neighborhoods get a lot more money when it comes to funding. And again, I know she's speaking in general terms because she's trying to give you the, the uh, you know, I guess like a screenshot of, hey, this is, these are like, the, you know, my, my, my 10 point plan, you know, in a sense, but her, this is her 20 point plan. And, and I really, what she's trying to say is we have to revitalize and rethink our educational structures and strengthen our education so that, you know, there aren't discrepancies among the schools, you know, that there are equal treatments within the schools and when it comes to financial 
you know, stability so that everybody and all children can prosper and truly have no children left behind. You know, <laughs> I mean, definitely, we definitely know that that was messed up when it comes to that. Um, so she talks about our LGBTQ plus promise. And that's really a, a great segue because I definitely think that that's something that some of the candidates are not talking about are protections to uh, our, uh, you know, queer folk or when it comes to gender normativity. And, um, you know, and I definitely think that that's something that what she's really trying to uh, get at is that we have to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that uh, people don't have the right or people don't feel comfortable you know, being who they are, being who they want to be and being who they ought to be, you know, they're having to wear this mask. And I think that what she's trying to say is she has no issues doing that. So when, you know, you talk about number nine and then she talks about restoration, support and empowerment for artists in the arts, you know, we do know that in recent history, you know, people have failed, you know, to support the arts. You know, a lot of schools going back to strengthening and revitalizing our educational structures, you know, back to schools, you know, you know, they, they, that's one of the main things that have been cut, the arts, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) which is crazy. I mean, you would think they would let that, you know, let that be because, you know, you need that, that, that type of you know, exposure as a child, you know, to explore your imagination and stuff. I mean, I mean, what do you think? Um, I agree. I grew up during a time where we still had art class and things like that, um, home ec. Although, um, I don't know. I agree. I mean, she, she says we believe in the power of the arts to foster communication and cultural diplomacy. Because of that belief, you will see the elevation of the work of the State's Department Bureau of Educational and Cultural Relations using art ambassadors to be a part of our cultural diplomacy efforts uh, around the world. And I I really think that that's just, man. I mean, or she says, lastly, our White House will be alive with the arts complete with a -a one-of-a-kind art series featuring creative, multi-genre, multimedia collaborations between renowned and emerging artists. I think that that would be great because it would bridge that gap between, you know, this Hollywoodization of music, musicality, you know, and it's bringing them, I think it would bring them down to a sense of one with being with the people. And I definitely think it would help, you know, strengthen a lot of people's egos and self-confidence if they could see them in that different light, in a positive light, and not always in these negatives. Um, So number 10 is our approach to foreign policy and defense. Uh, Now, this is interesting because, again, uh, you know, her VP has, one of her parents um, are military, and she's worked with the defense as well. So I was really interested to see what, you know, what kind of uh, a, a sort of blurb would they say about that, you know, and what I've seen is in the face of conflict, it would be our aim to exhaust every non-military option possible. 
we, we will look to reactivate and bolster the effectiveness of the State Department and other agencies and options that have been underutilized. You know, what she's really talking about is bringing people to a table and starting to negotiate and see if we can come together on some, you know, agreements or disagreements. You know, I, I definitely think that the militarization of our world has been a commodity, it's been commodified to the point where a lot of people don't realize uh, people profit during war. You know, there are companies that make a lot of money, banks make a lot of money when it comes to funding some of these wars and it stimulates the economy, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's really crazy. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's a viable option only because of the financial um, toll that would take on certain private sectors and industries. Um, so number 11, you know, she talks about reimagining immigration. You know, she's talking about uh, our uh, the stance on immigration issues naturally extends our pro-protection, pro-human, and pro-prosperity missions and urgently employ the following three objectives. You know, she talks about rigorously reviewing um, our current policies, you know, such as DACA and the DREAM Act. Uh, revitalizing national security for the United States as a premier priority and guiding light in all matters of immigration policies. Again, what she's really talking about trying to do is is just really strengthen that, you know, trying to reimagine what that means to be an American in today's society versus what it was in the 1930s or 40s and 50s. You know, she's really talking about trying to bolster our immigration system you know, so that, you know, these people who are actually seeking asylum from oppression have a better chance of living, you know, which leads her to a 12th platform of a breakthrough for Native Americans. You know, again, it's very vital that, you know, one of the communities that have been hit the most, which the media has not been talking about, has been the Native American population because of their lack of support from the from the from the government itself you know i think that there that needs to be a conversation that certainly has to be hashed out she mentions talking about uh thinking more seriously about funding native american programs through hud you know which will, she think she believes would provide an innovative and comprehensive solution you know so some of those problems you know, I don't know how viable that is, but I think that that's something that somebody could make look, you know, look forward to. I mean, look into. Um, I mean, Diane, what do you think about that when it comes to, you know, the Native Americans and, you know, and in immigration and how how do you think that that you know kind of you know goes into it at all? I think it would be great, especially for the Native Americans. I took a class on Native American history, and unfortunately, a lot of them um, have issues with alcoholism and drugs, and um, they are still on reservations, and it's just a travesty of how they're treated, and they were, you know, here before us. So I... I definitely think, and then as far as immigration, I just feel like this country is a melting pot for everyone. So everyone should have an equal opportunity to come here, to live here, 
to, I guess, experience that American dream of trying to better their lives for themselves and for their families. Yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. <clears throat> I, I just, I, like I said, I just, some of these platforms are like, really like intense. We should, <laughs> the way our land is set up, we really can't, I don't feel like we really can tell people they cannot live here, yeah. that they cannot come here and it, and and try to have the same lives that we have. Yeah. I mean, it, it mean it, it, I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, it's one of those things where either you're going to rewrite the Constitution or rewrite the whole Which system or you're not. And, and when she's talking about restoration, I don't think she's really talking about abolishing what we already have in place. She just wants to modify and but tweak who, certain who things. who is actually talking about I get abolishing it. what is I mean, in but place. it's just like, okay, for instance, her, re, her platform 13, mm. restructuring law enforcement. We must allocate funds to create a more collaborative effort towards crisis prevention engage in community partnerships and incentivize officers to live where they work. I mean, I think that that's something that's very vital. People do do that, you know, um, a debt-free education initiative for individuals who do that. Qualified immunity can no longer be used as a shield in cases of suspected brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe taxpayers should not pay for the legal costs for rogue officers who I are repeatedly doing wrong. I totally understand totally, that too. Totally. I mean, but I also, I, it's one of those things where, I, I, I mean, I make certain conjectures and I'm just like, you know, individuals who, black black American individuals who join the military could join the law enforcement as well. You know, but they'd rather go into the military because it's more money. Mm-hmm. They get better benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, so I definitely think if she's talking about incentives, that could be very viable. You know, I just, it's one of those things where if they would have to, you know, they would have to, they I would mean, have to like kind of unionize the police force. something that has the best benefits? But I Isn't think, that if, what we're but told? they would have to have like we a universal, but there have to be months. like a universal policy for police force across the board. I think for something like that to be implemented. Mm. Um, I just don't know how that would go. I mean, she's talking about criminal justice reform. You know, she says our criminal justice reform policies are also pro-family and we must create a support structure for those who have entered the prison system and after paying their debt to society, seek to unite their families and work hard towards an honorable living. You know, she's talking about people who are felons. You know, it's hard to get a job after you've committed crimes. And then, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, recidivism or, oh, you're going back and going back into what you were doing. But it's like... At some point, it's like, man, you can't work working $7 an hour and that's not a livable wage. You can't make rent. So what does the person believe? Hey, I can go back to selling drugs and still work and this still and, still work make, and still make money. And it's like, but but it's like, you're not providing that many incentives. Um, you know, you talking about uh, employment. She wants to increase employment training opportunities, you know, uh, nonviolent offenders. You know, she's talking about, you know, basically undoing what happened due to the uh, war on drugs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and that's a but lot what everybody else is talking would be great about would be also maybe some entrepreneurial classes as well, well yeah she talks about well in her platform 15 mm-hmm. you know she talks about a breakthrough oh, for small b- businesses okay. you know um and i think that 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 like i said that that incentive she says um you know she talked about during covid you know we saw opportunism 
for large corporations to cheat small mom and pop stores, mm -hmm. which was true. A lot of people are going to jail like that right now sure. for, you know, falsifying. I mean, falsifying stuff, hence the rap song that came out, which is crazy. But I mean, whew. I mean, she says innovative business development support and incubator programs will push the ultimate goal end goal of self-sufficiency. You know, but I also think think tanks and stuff like that and, you know, partnering with investors, you know, and and not and ensuring these investors that, you know, their money wouldn't go wasted. You know, I think that that should be like the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. um, 16 breakthrough for young Americans. I think, you know, she's hitting that spot on. You know, talking about incentivizing debt-free college for specific industries that will serve the nation the most during this recovery period and specializing tax breaks to young business owners, which I think would be great. She talks about uh, uh, standardizing uh, certain things in education, such as financial literacy and entrepreneurial skills and creative thinking. Um you know, 17, she hits black boys, uh, I mean, boys, men, and fathers, you know, uh, again, she says, uh, well, especially boys of color, she's saying about, you know, the bullying system, discrimination built into the school system against boys, um, how uh, uh, basically in the school system, you know, statistically, uh, uh, girls are actually uh, do better, you know, and to certain degrees when it comes to learning and how certain learning uh, techniques are geared towards uh, women, uh, arguably. I don't really agree with that. I just think it's a learning uh, curve. A lot of predominantly, uh, the teachers are women. So naturally, you know, the teaching approaches would be more uh, advantageous to uh, women who, you know. But I think that that's pretty much how that would go to that extent. Um, 18, she talks about what breakthrough for mental health. Um, that what do you think about that? would be great because I think a lot of people out here are dealing with mental health issues that have um, been diagnosed or have gone undiagnosed. And um, I think that's a topic that a lot of people do not want to talk about. They're too afraid to talk about. Or honestly, they may not even know that they are dealing with mental health issues. So I think something put in place for people who needs help um, in that in that caliber is wonderful and not most people not most um, candidates talk about that kind of stuff hmm. yeah, definitely I mean yeah I mean she talks about for our children we propose that that the upgrade of our education system include active assessing the counseling for all kids in public schools and, you know, not just the ones labeled at, at risk, you know, acceleration programs, you know, uh, helping the military, you know, extending, you know, situations to help the military uh, deal with their mental health issues due to trauma, um, you know. Definitely. But I mean, even she even touches gun rights and responsibility, meaning violence prevention. You know, and uh, which, you know, which, you know, I think is towards the end of her platform. She, you know, she talks about finally we will take up the unprecedented step to aggressively countering gun violence in high crime areas that terrorize civilians and low economic communities of color. You know, I think that that's something that really has to be explored, you know. Um, 
violence is definitely something that is going on in our in our nation now at an all-time high. You know, regardless of who the president is. I mean, but is it really an all-time high? I mean, I feel like it's the same. It's just being caught now. You know, so I don't know it's, if it's, it's more. I think it's. It, I don't think it has changed. So you think it's because I don't it's just think been it has film. changed. It's just now on film. It's more widespread where somebody is walking down the street, they see it, and they're like, "Oh my God, let me get this on on camera." I mean, but you don't think when you that saw, you don't think that crime and, is and going stuff that like crime that rates are going accessible. Up. I guess it's it's because easily. of the urbanized the urbanization of our world that you know crime is going up in like pockets like in certain areas there are high crime areas because of uh, lack of you know preventions and lack of uh measures you know in place you know to ensure you know that these that the guns are not in the hands of violent violent offenders you know or, or people who are not mentally stable to have guns mm. i mean things like that is yeah. really crazy i mean some of the uh what's going on with some of the shootings that have happened you know these uh you know with gang violence cartels you know syndicated crime organizations you know it's yeah, it's like I it's mean, crazy they... some of the weapons that that are on the streets now i mean there has to be some type of regulations to some degree you know that we're not militarizing civilians and also militarizing the police as well. Mm. You know, I think that there has to be a, a conversation. A to direct be on separation that, yeah. between the military yeah. and civilians. I mean, I feel like that there has to be. Because, I mean, at, at some point, you know, either you're going to install martial law or you're either, either you are or you're not. You know, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where it's like people don't realize when the militarization of the police force came about, which was during the, you know, when they started raiding the Black Panthers, you know, and stuff like that, they actually started using military-grade military equipment to literally murder these men, these these students, you know, yeah. or these young men and women who were fighting for justice, you know. It's like, you know, all they were trying to do was stand up against police brutality, but they ended up being the uh, mark of that, you know. Right. And it issued so in this new marker. You're brutalized man. when you're trying to stand mm. up against it, and you, it's the same when you're not. You just, mm. you know. I mean, but I definitely, like I said, I think this is interesting that the fact that she has all these platforms and a, a, a plan, a plan, you know, this plan, this track to get the nation back on in a restor- uh, restorative uh, measure or mission, you know, I think that this, it's just something that we have to think about that. Why are they not, again, why are they not being backed by the black community, mm-hmm. you know, and miss me on that whole, oh, they wouldn't win because of blase blase. The only thing about it is, is the electoral college is the ones who select certain things. But my thing is, why couldn't we just unify and vote for this, for this, these candidates, you know, to the point where, you know, we could have had made a voice to say we're strong enough to unify under uh, uh, under somebody and push an agenda you know to the point where you know maybe she could have you know gotten a majority of the popular vote in certain regions or certain areas you know why not Mm -hmm. i really hope that she gets the majority in charleston south carolina i'll say that Mm -hmm. you know uh, I really think that people have to pay attention to their local elections more than the presidential because it's your local elections that are really going to affect you. You know, 
I, I just don't understand why people are so hung up on the presidential elections when if if you don't have the majority in the Senate, if your party does not have the majority in the Senate, it's pretty much a stalemate if you're the president of an opposite party leading at that particular moment. Hence what happened with President Obama and hence the reason why the Republicans can pretty much do whatever they want and have been doing whatever they wanted for the past four years installing all kind of judges and everything else across the board. They have pushed legislations through and through only because they have the majority in the Senate, you know, but the electoral college is selected by uh, lower ranking congressmen and uh, lower ranking governmental people who are affiliated with these parties. That's the reason why it's needed for you to vote in your local elections. Um, I know, uh, it is very important. I know Hillary vote. Clinton ran. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Hillary Clinton. She she said she's an electoral college uh, elector this year. So, just put that in perspective. The fact that she says she's an elector this year means a lot. I mean, you can just Google them. You know, Google the Google the ones from the 2016 election, and it'll it'll really just be a it's astonishing. You know, to just see who these people are, where they're from, and most of them were Republican. And again. If, if they've been able to select their electoral members, if they're Republicans, they're probably going to vote Republican, regardless of what the popular vote says. Uh, but Diane, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, this this conversation is all going good, and I'm glad we are speaking on her. And can I just point out one thing? And you might not feel like it's relevant, or it might be relevant to you or not, but... I'm on her YouTube channel, and she has over a thousand subscribers, right? Definitely. But she posted a video one day ago, has 58 views. Okay. Another one she posted two days ago with 43 views. And she's, you know, getting mostly like a couple hundred views. Yes. So where is where is everybody? Where Where is... All of her supporters, y'all. Well, I mean, like, even then, I mean, when you go to Facebook, when she's on Facebook Live, I mean, her, her she was going Facebook Live during the debates, and, you know. Yeah, and but I was actually was really, watching we were hers. Watching it, I was but, watching hers as well as the debate on. on but even then, it was even single then, digits. Yeah, not many people was there. I mean, I just, I mean, but again, she has not been talked about in uh, uh, as much as she should have in media. And again, I, I, I respect, like I said, I do know that there have been, she has been on certain radio stations and she has been on certain I mean, but airways and, how many, and shows, but what it's, demographic to, to what degree to it has, yeah, you're right. The breakfast club is the breakfast club. How many people is she, she really reaching on that platform? I'm not, no, I, I'm not trying but to the fact that she was, the But the fact that she was like even that. on that platform and she still doesn't get, she still hasn't gotten the buzz of the black community. Her or her or or her running mate saying that they're two black women. I just feel like that that they're alone. You know, I, I I said it before. You know, they are a for us by us, and we don't even want that because we want something else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not enough for us. You know, and I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Like I said, I really, I mean, can't wait. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, but I just think it's really interesting that. You have that. You have a, a black woman, and her and her a VP candidate is also black. And the fact that they're not being talked about by the black community twenty four seven, black media, black Wall Street, black academics, 
black moguls, black actors, black actresses, black wealthy people, any anybody, black business people outside of their sector. I just don't understand. Why are they not getting the respect? Why are they not getting the exposure? Or why haven't they gotten it? And will we ever see that type of unification? Because I mean, if black ma- if Black Lives Matter, where where's the support, y'all? <laughs> I'm not even saying it like to that degree. What I'm saying is her platform is really good, and it, I just it feel is. like she's not but saying anything outside. People of, are not outside of putting their foot where their mouth. I mean, it's just because people are still bought into the system of the bipartisan system, and again, it's one of those things where you know. Until people break away from that, uh, we're always going to be in this uh, chess match back and forth. And I feel like if we just change the game, do an we, overhaul, I mean, we wouldn't need that. But you know, people want this two-player system, inclusive. right? Well, I mean, like I said, this is a, it, I mean, it went on a little bit longer than we thought. Um, but again, hey, shout out, you know, like I said, the Black Sun Podcast. Um, like I said, um, I did promise we were going to do that. And, um, you know, talk to y'all later. Ciao. Bye.